Okay, we're uh, we're back at it. Many guys who aren't from Oklahoma, Bernie, you have no idea. We don't like them. It's personal. We got a logo too. We've been working on one for 18 years, and, and we want everybody in the country to know, with all due respect, we got a logo too. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast, recording on a Sunday. We're getting fired up for college football season. OSU just had media day up in Stillwater, so let's bring in who I'm joined, as always, by Colby Powell. Colby, we're we're here, man. Season's almost here. We're here. A few more Sundays to go. It's uh, got a lot of things we're waiting around for right now. Carson, I'm waiting on a niece. Due date was yesterday. We're still cooking, so waiting on a little niece to arrive sometime in the next week, I would imagine. Uh, Waiting on football season to get going. It's almost postseason time for golf. NFL preseason is underway. I mean, it's August. August is usually pretty slow, but it's a pretty good August, man. I got a lot of things going on. It's a busy August for the uh, grandparents. Very busy August for the grandparents, yes. And the grandparents are more than willing to uh, take a grandbaby at any moment. So they've been very busy. It's awesome. So, yeah, you've had a a busy August. So is Oklahoma State. We got some uh, media day stuff to jump into. A preseason poll is out. We'll dive into all of that. But first, let's hear from Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. The season is rapidly approaching. Uh, the girls' soccer team's got to be kicking off soon. I remember they always kicked off like the week we got into school up in Stillwater. It was always one of the first big events to go to. So if you're up in Stilly for that or, you know, just gearing up for football season, be sure to stop at Chris's University Spirit. We appreciate them sponsoring the pod as always. Looking forward to a, a great year in 2022. Speaking of Colby, CBS Sports has released their rankings for the preseason, and I think it's pretty dang good. You know, you had folks like, Stuart Mandel with the uncertainty to Oklahoma didn't even rank them in their top 25, but this poll has Oklahoma at seven. They've got Baylor at 10 and they've got Oklahoma state at 13. They've got Cincy for future reference at 17. And I believe that does it for the big 12 because they have Texas ranked 29th before we get to Oklahoma state where they're ranked Colby. Let me read you the description on why he ranked them 29th. Someone actually knows what's going on in the world of college football. I believe this was Chip Patterson who wrote the article. He says, quote, I know this is going to come as a huge surprise to, in my opinion, people that aren't paying attention, but Texas is starting a college football season with some hype after falling short of preseason expectations for the 20th year in a row. Year one with Steve Sarkeesian was decidedly average. The Longhorns went five and seven, finished 60th in our final rankings. With Quinn Ewers added to its quarterback room and another year of development for a strong, now sophomore class. How many years we've been hearing that as well? Texas is back, parentheses, to being inside the top 30 nationally. I thought that was chef's kiss perfect. I think that's a perfectly fair evaluation of Texas football, right? I mean, they, they're coming off a season where they fell short of expectations. They're hoping that this is the year when it all clicks. But what does that usually result in? I mean, it, it usually doesn't result in five and seven. Last year was fun. We got to make a little extra fun of Texas. They lost to Kansas at home. They went five and seven. Just the whole shebang, right? So last year was a little bit extra fun. But even just on a normal year, take the five and seven year out. There have been a bunch of seven and five years and six and six and eight and four. They had the one good year where they made it to Jerry's world uh, against OU with Ellinger. It's, it's just 
it doesn't usually work for Texas for whatever reason. And everybody just hopes, yeah, I think this next year is going to be the year when it does. And then it just doesn't. So let's just stop pretending that this next year is going to be the year when it does. If they actually put something together and string a few good seasons together, then maybe we can start talking about Texas the way we used to. But right now it's just the logo and the money is the reason that they're getting talked about. Uh, and yeah, like you said, I mean, we talked a little bit about Mandel on last week's show. Not ranking OU in the top 25 is just goofy. Uh, I think that those rankings are, are pretty solid. I mean, OU, Baylor, and Oklahoma State, if those three teams, Carson, were to finish the season, let's say we're sitting here second week of December, and those three teams have finished the season within six places of each other in the final poll, I don't think that would shock me. I don't, I don't think that would really shock anybody, Carson. Well, I think it shows you there's – there's respect for those three programs and respect for the big 12. Finally, um, you know, so many years, Colby, when we think OSU is going to be pretty good, they're lucky to crack the top 25. They're usually one of the teams we're still receiving votes, but if they crack the top 25, it's usually right around 25. I think it just shows you the, the excitement and the anticipation for the season coming off the year Oklahoma state had. And I, I think it's just Oklahoma state's got some, good amount of hype around them and with good reason. It's almost if that one season beating Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl kind of opened everyone's perspective and their their eyes to what Mike Gundy's done with the Oklahoma State football program. It's like, man, I've gone back and look at my rankings. Like, I always rank them here, but they always finish right around the top 15. So that's, that's good respect. I think Baylor, I picked them to win the league this year. I, I like them being in the top 10. I think that's a lot of respect for them as well, despite what they've lost. And yeah, I don't, I don't think Oklahoma should be outside the top 10. I mean, they're going to, they're favored in every game this year. Uh, I still think they're going to be very good. Maybe not playoff contenders this year, but I like the rankings a lot. And back to the Texas point, here's their record since they got rid of Mac Brown, six and seven, five and seven, five and seven, seven and six, 10 and four, eight and five, seven and three, five and seven. So they've won double digit games one time and they, that's the year they won the sugar bowl against Georgia, which was a good year. Got to give them credit for that. But the rest of it, that's where they should be ranked about, about 29, but that was uh, the year they were back, right? That's we're back. And that lasted maybe that press conference and that was it. But uh, no, a lot of respect for uh, Oklahoma state. Like I mentioned their their 13th. Is that, you think that's fair here? Here's kind of the top 10. You got, Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, Utah at four. thought that was a bit surprising. Clemson, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, Michigan. Get out of here. A&M, nine. Baylor, 10. NC State, 11. Uh, that strikes me as the new North Carolina. Remember, North Carolina was ranked in like the top 10 during the year last year. I think yep. that's shades of the same school, just different, different school or different, same state, different school. USC, 12 which again, Lincoln Riley did really well in the transfer portal, but, and he does get to play against the week pack 12 for the time being, but I would pick Oklahoma state straight up against USC, uh, Oregon, 14, Wisconsin, 15, Arkansas, 16, since 17 and the rest who cares. So you like where Oklahoma state's ranked in there? Uh, yeah, I do. I think that that's about right for Oklahoma state because I think this is going to be a good team, but there are some unknowns and there are some positions that need to be replaced. Jalen Warren is not going to be easy to replace. Uh, been reading some stuff, you know, OSU Media Day, talking about Dominic Richardson. I'm still curious, Carson. I know this spring you were buying all of the Ollie Gordon stock. I'm curious to see how much Ollie Gordon stock you're still holding. Is this a, uh, a buy low time on Ollie Gordon? Because I think that there are some snaps to be 
taken at running back for Oklahoma State. I just, you know, Malcolm Rodriguez is going to be incredibly tough to replace. So are some of those safeties and corners. But Jalen Warren on that offensive side, there were a lot of times last year where the offensive line struggled, and Jalen Warren just made something out of nothing. He was a great player uh, in the backfield for Oklahoma State, far exceeded everyone's expectations. So I don't know, Carson Richardson, uh, Gordon, what, what else are we going to see at running back? Who, who are you expecting to uh, kind of fill the void that's going to be left with no Jalen Warren this year? See, I'm, I'm torn on this because I've loved Richardson since I watched him, and I, you did as well, at, at Bishop McGinnis. I thought he deserved more carries before this point in his career, but I think he's he's earned the job, and I think he's going to get every right to – you know, Mike Gundy was quoted as saying at Media Day that he wants to see him get about 18 carries, but Mike also stressed that he needs to be durable. Mike, Mike literally couldn't remember a year where the starting running back made it through the whole season, uh, and I think that's true. I mean – that. How many years has the starting running back gotten hurt where they're relying on the second and third team guys pretty much every single year? So I do think Ollie Gordon's going to play a huge role. I do think Jaden Nixon's going to play a huge role. And one of my concerns, like I love Dominic Richardson. I think he runs hard. When he hits the hole, he, he doesn't look back. He's ready to run people over. I just wonder that what you mentioned, if the offensive line struggles again and he's not able to create those those break those missed tackles, create space on his own like Jalen Warren was so good at. That's where I think if the offensive line struggle, I think I'll put it this way. I think Richardson needs holes to run through. I think he needs good offensive line play. And I think that's where maybe a, a Nixon or Ollie Gordon can maybe create some of their own yards, much in the way Jalen Warren did. But to answer your question, I think Richardson's the guy, but if he's – you know, running into the line of scrimmage and not getting much out of certain runs or, or not making the right cuts. I think it's going to be a platoon. And I think that's what Mike Gundy's most comfortable with. I think he likes a platoon. Remember when we were just begging for Chuba Hubbard to get the ball more, but even Chuba got banged up at times in his career. I think that's something that is a just concern for Mike, but no, I think, I think Ollie Gordon's going to be the, the one B to, to his one a, I really do. Yeah, I think you could be right there. We saw, gosh, I wish I could give credit to whoever tweeted it out. Uh, whoever did send us a message. We saw somebody tweeting about Ollie Gordon and basically just raving about the way that he looks right now. I'll be very curious. You, you know, you mentioned the durability issue. That is a hard position to be durable at. I mean, running backs just take so many hits. It's just, you're, you're just, it's like getting in 20 or 25 car wrecks in a span of three hours. I mean, these guys are just getting smashed over and over and over again. And you get a freshman coming in and you worry about the legs throughout the season, but Dominic Richardson's been around for a few years. Uh, had some fumbling problems a little bit earlier in his career at Oklahoma State in limited action, but I think that he could be I don't think there's going to be a real true bell cow, but I think that Dominic Richardson could be the closest guy to that as Ollie Gordon works his way up into the offense. Uh, but I think Oklahoma State will be okay at running back. I, I will be interested to see, Carson, Spencer Sanders comes back and a healthy Spencer Sanders that's running the ball. I, I don't know. What's a good number of – because he's going to take off and scramble sometimes, but I think those little zone read keepers – I don't know, Carson, six to eight of those a game that keeps the defense honest. He's probably running for, I, I don't know, uh, five to seven yards a carry on those, you know, break one off for 12 and then he'll get stuffed at the line on one. So somewhere in that neighborhood. But I think Spencer Sanders could be a big part of this run game, too, because that can make things a lot easier on your running backs as you're trying to fill that Jalen Warren sized hole. If that guy on the edge has to hold for just a second because Spencer Sanders is keeping it, you know, six, seven, eight times a game. I hope he's working on his sliding if he's going to be carrying it six to eight times. And I think that's <laughs> something that 
he's had to learn throughout his career. He did some of that last year where he would make the smart play by getting down or getting out of bounds or just straight up sliding. I think that's something that, you know, they're going to have to beat into his head that he cannot, he cannot be taking big shots when he does, but I am with you though. It, it's, it's vital to the offense. It's vital to the running game. It, it does open things up for the running backs. And I, I was interested. There was a lot of talk at media day from Spencer about playing faster. He says he likes to play fast. We know that. And, and that's one thing I think that'll really help. Um, you mentioned the durability factor with the running backs. I, I think it helps them if you're playing fast, keeping the defense on their heels, and you, you play more 10, 11 personnel to where it's not stack boxes, you know, Spencer under center, waiting, waiting, letting the defense just totally, you know, form that wall at the line of scrimmage and taking those in between the tackles type hits more of in space, you know, wider spread formations, you know, quick handoffs off a, a quick snap, I think will help the durability factor. I think back to, there's been a lot of talk. This is kind of a strange analogy. I'm, I'm knee deep in all my fantasy football research. Um, Dalvin Cook from the Minnesota Vikings. They're one, they were one of the most run heavy 12 personnel teams in the NFL. And Dalvin Cook's taking all these hits in between the tackles and he always gets hurt. Well, they have this, they have this new, uh, new coach who's going to pass a, a lot more, run more spread offense, dump passes off to him more, get him out in space to where he has more room to make guys miss. And he's not taking those, you know, head on collisions with middle linebackers anymore. He's, he's getting tackled by secondary players. I think that's an aspect I think could really help the running back room stay healthy as well. Yeah, I think so too. I think that'll be good. And, and I'm curious to see, you know, running back, obviously Jalen Warren, that that's going to be a topic of conversation leading into the season, but Carson, we've got some young receivers at Oklahoma state and with Tay Martin moving on, he and Spencer Sanders had a really nice connection last year. I mean, I remember the Iowa state grab. I mean, just some of the things that they were doing, those two guys had it figured out. So I'm curious who fills that gap. I think Braylon Presley probably ends the season as the leading receiver, but you got guys like Jaden Bray, John Paul Richardson coming in. I'm curious to see how much Braylon Presley is used and in what role, if he's more of a gadget guy or if he gets some time in the slot, what the, what the case is going to be with him coming in as a true freshman. But I mean, the skill position, guys, you lose your number one running back, you lose your number one receiver, and I still think that there's reason to be optimistic about this offense because you have the returning quarterback. And Dave Hunziker tweeted this out earlier in the week, a few days ago. He said the last four times Oklahoma State has had a senior quarterback who was a returning starter, the Cowboys averaged 10 wins per year. Mike Gundy is very good with a returning senior quarterback, and I'm very curious to see what Spencer Sanders does with some of these receivers who one of these guys is going to have to step up and be the guy. You know, every time we have that conversation at Oklahoma State, somebody does it. We're going on 15, more than that. We're going on 20 years now. Go back to Rashawn Woods uh, and before that, Hartley Dykes, although there was a little bit of a gap in there of receivers just stepping up and being the guy at Oklahoma State and being, you know, somewhat elite at that position. And Oklahoma State needs another guy to do that. And I think the fact that you do have such a, a veteran, experienced quarterback, nearly 50 starts under his belt now, uh, back there in the shotgun, I think that that's going to help these receivers immensely. If you had a young quarterback trying to learn the offense and trying to find chemistry with all these younger guys and stuff, I think that that would maybe uh, concern me a little bit. But having the experienced quarterback uh, to help these young receivers along, I I'm very excited to see who emerges from this pack of young receivers for Oklahoma State that we kind of look at and say, yeah, that's the next guy. 
Yeah, and I, I know they're unproven. There's players that have played, but they're mostly unproven. But I would I would dare to say who has a more talented wide receiver room than this list? Jaden Bray, who I want to lead off by saying I think he's going to be the man on the outside. Jaden Bray, you've got the Green Twins, you've got the Presley Twins, and you've got this kid, John Paul Richardson, who all he did was catch every pass thrown his way and make big plays at times last year as a young player himself. I mean, that's – I know that's an unproven list of players there, Colby, but give me the give me all the other wide receiver rooms in the Big 12. I think you're going to be hard-pressed to have more talent in one receiver room than that. Uh, no, that is a great receiver room for Oklahoma State by talent. Obviously, the experience has to come. There's only one way to get it. Get out there, take some snaps, uh, take some hits, and get after it. But I, I'm kind of in agreement with you. I think we're kind of lockstep. Jaden Bray, man, they're just – it feels like there's something special with Jaden Bray. And, and, you know, he flashed at times last year, but again, he was young. He, he, they're saying that he's in better shape coming in, that he's just looking like a freak athlete ready to take over on the outside. So I, I kind of with you, I'm expecting uh, a bunch of those targets that went Tay Martin's way on the edge. I'm expecting a bunch of those to go to Jaden Bray. He's the man. I mean, his, his talent just, just flew off the screen last year. Every time he would catch a pass and just – his size and his strength, you mentioned he's up to like over 200 pounds now at 6'2". Kind of like Justin Blackman, you know, listed at, you know, 6'1", 6'2", area. Looks like he's 6'5". Just in, he just plays bigger than he is. Des Bryant was the same way. He's only about 6'1", maybe 6'2", but looked like he was 6'5", out there going for jump balls. And he just, to me, he's a lot like those tight ends that are converted from basketball. They just have that innate ability to go up and get the football, like the Antonio Gates of the world, the Jimmy Graham's of the world. He's obviously not a tight end, obviously not that big, but he was a basketball player. It wasn't until his mom let him go out for football, I believe his like sophomore, junior year in high school, that he even started playing football. And I think just every single game, every single practice, this guy is going to realize that potential that we already have seen. And I think he's going to be the guy on the outside. I think, there are a lot of other candidates, you know, uh, Talon Shetron, certainly I think will get on the field. We'll have to see what he can do as, as a true freshman. Uh, he's the highest ranked receiver recruit they've had in a, in a long, long time. But to me, Colby, what I saw out of Bray, just his physicality, his ability to catch the ball. He made some tough catches last year and just, he was just exciting when he, when he got the ball in his hands and was out in the open field. So I, I'm expecting a big year from him. I don't know if he'll match the production of a Tay Morton being as young as he is. And as experienced as Tay was coming over from Washington State, but I've got, I've got Bray circled in Sharpie as as the breakout wide receiver on this team. Yeah, and I think that there's no reason not to. I mean, he's primed for that position. I do think that we're, we're going to get excited about Jaden Bray. We're going to get excited uh, about the Green Twins, about some of these, you know, John Paul Richardson. But I, I think that we do need to just kind of call it out. I mean, Brendan Presley's going to be the guy. How many touches? do you think is a good number of touches for Brendan Presley week in and week out for Oklahoma State's offense? Then maybe like seven, maybe like 10 targets. And I mean, maybe more than 10 targets, but I, I like him in the short screen game. Those are easy targets, but uh, I would, I'd like to see him get close to 10 balls a game. Maybe that's, yeah, no. maybe that's high. No, I, I think that that's totally reasonable. You're looking at the number of snaps that you're taking as an offense. I, I don't know. Um, modern offense, probably 
60, 70, 80 snaps, depending on the game, pace of the game. Uh, might not have as many games like last year where it's 24 to 17. Might have a couple more, uh, you know, 37, 28 games, something like that this year. Uh, so I think that 10, you know, on a heavy week, maybe he touches 15. But, yeah, I think in the 8 to 12 range, get a couple of jet sweeps a game, make sure that he's getting, you know, five, seven, eight targets in the passing game. Yeah, I think Brendan Presley touching the ball double-digit times a game at the end of the season, uh, you know, if he's a guy who has 100-plus touches on the season, I think that's good for Oklahoma State's offense because he's incredibly talented. He's getting more experience. Uh, we saw what he did at Iowa State last year. I mean, he's five foot eight, and he's just skying over guys in the end zones, picking footballs off the top of their helmets. Brendan Presley, I, I think that he is going to have a monster year for Oklahoma State. And I think that if Brendan Presley does that, if he can really be that guy and live up to that potential, then it takes even some of that pressure off of Jaden Bray where he can be the guy on the outside and he can kind of fill that Tay Martin role, but he doesn't have to be the star, you know, as soon as he comes in as a sophomore and Tay Martin moves out, he can be a good player, he can produce, but he won't have the pressure to be that number one guy that Spencer Sanders is going to look at every time things get tight because Brennan Presley can be that guy. So uh, I think if Presley has a big year, it will make for a good complimentary receiving core. Uh, and I expect that from Brendan Presley because he's an incredibly talented young player. Yeah, and I, I like the idea of moving him into the backfield on third downs. Like he starts out at the running back position and forces a, a linebacker or perhaps a nickelback to cover him, not the team's best cornerback. I, I love moving him around and, and you know using jet sweeps, things of that nature. And I, I can't wait to see what they've come up with with his – with his younger brother, Braylon. I, I love to see them use him in the very similar way. He, he could end up, and he played running back in high school. I know he's tiny and that's a different level in college, but you could line him up as a third down back and run him out on passes. I, I love the, the versatility of both Presley's, not just Brennan, both of them. And I, I'm certainly with you. I think he, I think he certainly is going to be probably the, the leading receiver. He's just a different type of receiver than maybe a, a Jaden Bray, who I, I think will be a, a huge red zone uh, type target. Yeah, I think so, too. Jaden Bray in the red zone will be good, uh, obviously, with the size. I'm curious, though, if you can have Jaden Bray be your, uh, you know, outside kind of corner threat in the end zone and pair that with Brendan Presley going side to side at the line of scrimmage, making defenses think, making defenses work. You do that. You throw in the running threat of Spencer Sanders. I just... Carson, I know we do this. We go into the offseason with a great performance and it sticks in our head, but it really is stuck in my head what Casey Dunn and Spencer Sanders figured out late in the season together last year. I just feel like all of a sudden it was like a light bulb came on for that offense and it clicked and it's like, oh, this is what he does incredibly well. And this is what this guy does incredibly well. And here's how we can pair those things and make this a high-powered offense. And I, I don't know. I, I don't want to get carried away and be too optimistic, but I just have that, that second-half performance in Bedlam and that Notre Dame game, it's just stuck in my head, and I'm just hoping that that was not an outlier, that that was Casey Dunn and Spencer Sanders coming together and figuring it out, and hopefully we can see more of that this season because, you know, Mike Gundy talked at media day about how last year he felt like, look, we can go out there, we score 15 points, we might win the game. It might not be the case this year. I think the defense is going to be good, but you lose Malcolm Rodriguez, Devin Harper, Trey Sterling, Colby Harvell Peel, Christian Holmes, you lose a lot of guys off that defense – not going to be as many games where you can score 15 and go out and win the football game uh, comfortably and get three turnovers and all that stuff. If you need to score 31 to win one week, hopefully this offense can do it. Uh, I'm, I'm a little bit bullish on Spencer Sanders coming into uh, his senior season. I'm very bullish. So I'm, I'm, I'm really getting excited for the season. There was an interesting question posed by Cody Nagel from 247 Sports. Who are the, 
the two most important names for Oklahoma State football in 22 are blank and blank. Who do you think are the two the most two, important two names? most interesting or important? Important names. Who two most important names. Uh, all right, first one I'm going to throw at you is Colin Oliver. I think Colin Oliver is one of the two most important names. He had an incredible freshman season. He's put on a bunch of weight, hopefully good weight, in the offseason. Did Gundy say he could get up to like 260 by the time he's done? Uh, I didn't see an actual number put on it. I know he's up that to there's... like two, 230, and Gundy thinks he can get up to 260 before he leaves. 260? Man, I don't know about <laughs> 260. I don't... How much speed do you lose if you go to 260? That's... A lot. I, I mean, you would think so. Yeah, look, I understand. You want to bulk up. You want to be physical. But I don't know about 260. At 230, uh, I certainly like. I, I want to see Colin Oliver have the same speed that he had last year. And if he's bulked up a little bit, he could just be a problem for opposing offenses. Because now the question becomes, you lose these guys like I talked about uh, in the middle and on the back end of the defense. And there will still be some guys there making plays. But where is that high-level production going to come from? I mean, there were games last year in the Big 12 Conference where it felt like Oklahoma State was getting a sack on, you know, every series they were getting a sack. And third down, first down, second down, didn't matter. Jim Knowles was sending the house. What does Derek Mason do and how effective can, uh, can Oklahoma State be on the defensive front? And I think Colin Oliver rush, rushing the passer, uh, you know, he, he wants to set the Oklahoma State sack record. Good. Go do it. Everybody, everybody wants to see it. So that's one name for me is Colin Oliver. The other most important piece – I, I don't want this to be a cop-out, Carson. It's Spencer Sanders, man. He just he is so capable of being so good. And from time to time, he throws a Baylor game in there. Look, Baylor was really good defensively. Dave Rand is a very good coach. I respect the hell out of what he does down there, and they were great on the defensive side of the ball last year. That being said, Spencer made some bad mistakes, uh, and, and they lost a Big 12 championship game that they probably shouldn't have. So uh, hopefully we get the absolute best version of Spencer. Like I said, almost 50 starts to his belt. He'll be at 50 heading into conference play. It's an early conference matchup for Oklahoma State with Baylor. Uh, so I think that that could do a couple of things. One, it's a good measuring stick for where you are with the two teams who were in the Big 12 title game last year. I think you can also look at the ratings for that game and, and kind of see how this conference is going to pool once you're past OU Texas. OSU Baylor are going to be a couple of big draws. So uh, that, that'll be a good chance for Spencer to kind of show both, I think, mentally and on the field, okay, Baylor got to me last year. Let's reset, go out here and play good football. Uh, so I'll go with Colin Oliver and Spencer Sanders. Those are good. I like I like both of those. Um, let me see here. Is this accurate? I'm looking at Spencer Sanders uh, college football reference. That can't that can't that's got to be a typo. It has the on 2019 and 2020. He has the exact same number of completions and attempts and and different yardages. That can't be right. There's no way he had the same number of completions and attempts two years in a row. And if he did, then that is an incredible statistical coincidence. I'm going to OSU's site to make sure this is this is accurate. But my my point was going to be he's averaged. Let's see here. That's on their website. There we go. Stats. Let's see here. This is good radio. Um, but his, the point I was going to make is his completion percentage was over 60 all three years, which we don't think of him as, you know, super accurate, but apparently yeah. that's been the case. But since you took Spencer, I'm going to go in this OSU websites. Not great. It's <laughs> very, very slow, but since you took Spencer, I'm going to go with the big fella on the, at left tackle, Caleb Etienne Ooh. Try, trying to win the left tackle job. He's lost close to 50 pounds, which 
for him is not that much because he's just a mountain of a man. Uh, Mike Gundy said he really struggled uh, since coming to Oklahoma State, but he's in shape now. The Rob Glass experience has done him well. And I, I just think that left tackle spot is just so important for Spencer's blind side. And uh, I think a lot of his fumbles have come from guys coming on the weak side. I just think the offensive line play is so critical with a new running back room that we've mentioned. And just the overall offensive line play, you know, Sanders, not all of his play has been his fault. He has had some very poor offensive line play throughout his career at Oklahoma State. And when he gets time, like he like he did against Notre Dame, you saw what he could do. When he doesn't have time, like you saw in the Baylor Big 12 championship game, and at times during the regular season matchup, he's he can be very average. And I, I don't think that's exclusive to him. That goes for any quarterback. So I think I think it's a massive, massive year for for Etienne to win that left tackle job and, and keep Spencer clean. And on the defensive side, I'm going to go with Trace Ford. And I know you can say, well, their defense was great last year without him, and they were. But you just rattled off all the names they've lost. And I just think that if he gets back to being the player he was, who I think was an, a Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year candidate, if he gets back to that guy, well, this defense looks even better than we think it can be with even despite losing all of those pieces. I think he, he more than anyone on the defense can make up for what they lost and just about anyone else on the field with, with everything he does, not only in, in pass coverage, but also rushing the passer. So while he's not one of the first names you think of, obviously Spencer Sanders would come to mind. Uh, you can take your pick from a lot of different guys, but I really do think that that trace Ford is, is hugely, hugely important as well. Yeah, I do. And that's, you know, whenever I thought about the defensive line, I thought a little bit about Colin Oliver. I thought a little bit about Trace Ford. I think Oliver, the expectations are higher because he's coming off that big uh, freshman season. You, you look at Trace Ford, should there be expectations there? Yes. You just never know how each individual guy is going to bounce back from an injury like that. That's just, it's a tough thing. You have to get back out there. A, you have to be willing to trust it again, to trust your body that you're going to be able to go out there uh, and your body is going to do what you need it to do. So you've got to be able to trust your body uh, and then you've got to be able to go out there and execute. I think Trace Ford's a great player and I cannot wait to see him get back out there. If he can get back to the level he was at as a freshman and Colin Oliver plays the level he played at a freshman, throw Brock Martin and Tyler Lacey on the, in, the, uh, in the middle in there and this defensive front is just going to be scary, scary. I've talked to you, Carson, those front four, that is why I am still really bullish on Oklahoma State's defense, even after all the guys they've lost. Yep, I'd agree. What do you got for me on uh, bullets and BBs? Bullets and BBs. Number one, Carson, I'm going to give a bullet to Tyron Johnson, making some noise with the Raiders. Your boy, Tyron, he's looking good. You know, they've described effortless speed is how I saw it described on Twitter uh, after he caught a little post route in the Thursday night game the other night. I'm really rooting for Tyron Johnson to get on, make a roster. And look, not every guy who, who makes it at the professional level has to go on and, uh, and be an all-pro. Man, make a roster, get some consistent snaps, go out and put up a, I don't know, 500-yard receiving season with two, three touchdowns, have a job, make some money, be in the NFL. Uh, I like Tyron Johnson. He's fun to watch, and I'm pulling for him. Sound the siren. The Tyron siren's back, baby. <laughs> He's still hanging on in the league. I was right on him all along. Uh, yeah, it's good to see him get an opportunity. I think there's a real opportunity in that receiving room in, in, uh, in uh, Las Vegas. Uh, Marshall Aitman signed with the Cardinals, by the way. He used to be in Vegas, so he's, he signed with the Cardinals. Cliff Kingsbury uh, watched him towards the Red Raiders and said, hey, I'm going to pick up Marshall Aitman. Uh, Colby, Spencer had the exact same amount of completions and attempts in 2019 and 2020. That doesn't make sense. That's true. I, 
I mean, that is an incredible statistical coincidence. That's got to be one of my favorite stats in a very long, same number of completions and attempts. One fifty-five. It seems impossible. 155 completions, 247 attempts. There was a difference of about 58 yards, but it's obviously the same completion percentages when you have the exact same. Wow. Uh, that seems there, impossible. There was a year where OSU under Fedora had the exact same number of rushes and passes. They were exactly 50, 50. That, that, that's my favorite one of all time. Like that's the odds great. of that are just insane. Uh, my bullet is going to go to Jalen Warren. He apparently is turning lots of heads in Pittsburgh. We all know the, the gaping size hole in the running back room. He's going to leave. We mentioned a lot of great candidates, but I, he's just one of those guys, Colby, that I think you and I had no doubts. Just get him into camp, hand him the football, watch him go. And you'd be like, wow, uh, this guy can play. And he, he's probably not ever going to be a number one running back in the league, but he would be a great third down option. He's a really good blocker and pass coverage. And we all know what he can do when he gets the ball in his hands. So Shout out to him. And apparently Mason Rudolph's lighting it up as well. So our, our Cowboys that are still in Pittsburgh are, are doing very well. Uh, all right, Carson, I'm going to give my – that's a good one, by the way. I hope Jalen Warren can see some time in that offense. Uh, they're going to need somebody to back up Najee Harris. They're also going to need to run the ball because they're not going to be able to throw it for uh, several years in a row now in Pittsburgh. It's a miracle Mike Tomlin keeps going above 500 uh, with the rosters and the quarterbacks that they're throwing at him in Pittsburgh. So, Carson, my BB, it's kind of a dual BB. Number one is injuries, but that's just kind of a constant BB, right? We've talked about that recently with Chris Carson, guys from Oklahoma State go to the NFL, battle injuries, all that stuff. But the the dual BB now is to the Chicago Bears because there's been a lot of talk around Tevin Jenkins. Look, the Chicago Bears are a bad football team right now. They, they have not done much to help Justin Fields. I mean, you look at some of these other teams with young quarterbacks going out. I mean, San Francisco signs uh, Debo to a deal to keep him there for Trey Lance. Trevor Lawrence, they went out and gave Christian Kirk a bunch of money. Travis Etienne's getting healthy. They paid some offensive linemen. The Dolphins with Tua giving him, you know, the ways to be successful going out and spending some money. The Bears aren't doing any of that. And now there have been talks this week that Tevin Jenkins might get traded from the Bears, and I, and I don't understand the play here from Chicago. I, I don't know if maybe he's not fitting what they have at that position group, but Tevin Jenkins, he went out, he dealt with the injury as a rookie, and that's just bad luck. There's nothing you can do about that, but it kind of seems like the Bears might already be ready to bail on him. Uh, I, I don't know. He the, the injury was kind of a fluke deal. It seems like from 2018 to 2020, he played right and left tackle, never missed a game, and then he had the injury, but hopefully he can bounce back from that. So I think it would be a mistake for the Bears uh, to give up on him and move him this early in his career. That being said, if they do, Carson, I hope he winds up in a better spot than the Chicago Bears uh, because I think that they could honestly be in the running for the number one overall pick in next year's draft. So if he gets moved, hopefully it's to a good situation where he can thrive and uh, not be stuck in what has just kind of been a train wreck of an organization for a while with the Chicago Bears. Yeah, they've been a mess for a long time. Real quick, mine is Texas A&M has had one 10 win season in 20 years, tying Kansas. So we mentioned Woo! the, the, the uh, cult that is Texas A&M. Uh, people liked that uh, conversation we had, and that info was passed along to me. So 20 years, one 10 win season. So. I love it. I love it. I Carson, are. we are out of time. Everybody, we're inching closer and closer to football season. Have a great week. Go Pokes!